0: Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. The Gospel of St. John, chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus is speaking here, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. This is what Jesus said, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Here the Lord Jesus drew a dividing line. He drew a line on the sand and he separated the two primary forces on the earth. Jesus said anything that comes to steal, to kill and to destroy comes from the thief who is none other than the devil himself. There's no question about it. And then he said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So today, I want to place our focus and attention on the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. He said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. When Jesus proclaimed those words, he introduced the church, the believers, you and I, to higher dimensions of living. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, living the abundant life, living on a higher dimension that Jesus came to introduce us to. Here is the question. What kind of life do we envision when we think about the words of Jesus he promised concerning the abundant life? What do you see? What do we understand when we think and meditate about this abundant life? Is it a life without fear? Yes, it is. Free from fear, all manner of fear. Is it a life without worry and stress? Of course, yes. Is it a life without sickness and disease? Yes. Can you imagine Christ or the body of Christ because we are members of his body being sick and diseased? The word of God says we have been delivered by his stripes. We are restored. We are healed. We are whole. Is it a life that is filled with joy and peace in the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yes to all of that. But. It is much more than that, and I want to emphasize that. It is much more than what I've just mentioned. The abundant life that Jesus came to give us is a life that is lived for others. Paul the Apostle puts it so beautifully when he wrote to the Corinthians in Second Corinthians chapter 5, And verse 15, when he said that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but unto him who died and rose again. For me, when I think about the abundant life, the life of Christ, it is a life that is lived for others to enhance, to assist and to bless those around us. It is the life of Christ. That's what the abundant life is, the eternal life. It is the very life of the risen Christ living and working in us and through us in order to serve the interests of the kingdom of God as well as our fellow man. That is the abundant life. It's not just, Lord, bless me and mine. It's not, you know, today... I believe that a false gospel has entered the church for a number of years now, and it's being preached, thinking that God exists for me and for my own welfare. And that is, that is, that is not the true gospel. That's twisting, that's perverting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the major problems that we face in the church worldwide today is that the people of God have become far too self-centered and egotistic. What do I mean by that? It's all about me and mine. As long as I'm doing well, my family's doing well, we become so indifferent to the challenges and to the problems that the body of Christ is facing. But as we grow in the knowledge of God, As we mature in the things of the spirit, we are raised to completely another, higher dimension of living. It is a living that embraces the welfare of others and not just our own. In the natural things, certain things in life come only with age and maturity. Would you agree with me? Unless we mature, Naturally speaking, there are certain things we will not attain to. And the same is in the spirit. And as this life of Christ, this abundant life, this eternal life that Christ came to give us, the life of Christ living within us, as this life in us grows and matures, our value system begins to change. And what we esteemed once, what we value once, it's no longer the case. We become focused, more focused, and we give attention more and more to spiritual things and things which pertain to eternal life as opposed to the natural physical things. Because we know that we are here for a season, just a little while. The Apostle James says, "For what is your life? It is like a vapor that appears for a while and then it vanishes away. And because we know that we are here for only a season, our life is lived with precision and with purpose. And the things of this world no longer have the same attraction or the same pull on us as they used to we become dead to the world and more and more alive to God. That can only come through spiritual maturity. A mature, spiritually mature person will think this way. We are also granted access into the mind of God so that we can understand the way God thinks, the way God works. We understand his wishes, his will and it becomes clearer and clearer for us but one of the most significant signs of spiritual maturity is when we begin to accept a collective responsibility for the spiritual family we belong to in other words we no longer see ourselves responsible only for ourselves and our own immediate family But in the love of God, we embrace our greater family, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and particularly the fellowship we belong to. Their problems, the problems of our spiritual home become our problems. Their challenges, our challenges, and their victories, our victories. We begin to rejoice with those who rejoice, and we weep with those who weep. We become one with the body God placed us in, fully immersed into its mind and into the purpose that God has given to our spiritual family. We begin to care deeply for our spiritual family, and we stop criticizing, but rather we give ourselves to prayer, fervent prayer, Asking God to anoint us and to make us instruments of his all-sufficient grace and wisdom in finding solutions to the problems our families face. We no longer think egotistically, but collectively. We share the burdens of those we are called to walk with. And let me share with you a testimony along these lines. Some years ago, I was part of a fellowship of pastors that met every Friday morning for fellowship, for prayer and ministry. In fact, I'm still part of this particular fellowship. Every Friday morning at 9.30 to 11, I never miss it unless there's something really urgent. But I log on and I, we have this now virtual. We don't meet in person, but those years we used to meet face to face. And within our fellowship, there was a pastoral couple who was going through a very rough time with a daughter who rebelled, fell into drugs, and a kind of life that truly brought much sorrow and shame to her parents. And the spirit, I recall, the compassion of the Lord began to touch my heart in such a way because of what they were facing, and I began to pray fervently for them. And in prayer, God gave me a plan on how to tackle this situation. I shared with them the plan and together, I put my shoulder next to theirs and together we began to tackle the situation in prayer. We began to fast and pray and I fasted with them for their daughter. To cut a long story short, the daughter began to respond To the advice and to the counsel of her parents, she accepted a place in a rehabilitation center and was delivered from drugs. It took, I think, two, three months, but she was completely free. And now, after so many years, she serves her parents in the church they pastored together. And God worked a miracle. She is a bright testimony to the glory of God and to the delivering power of the Lord Jesus Christ. In addition to the family problems during that time, they also had severe financial problems due to the fact that there was a split in the church. Most of the people, over half of their congregation, left the church and they went down the road and started another church. And as a result of that, they were hit financially. It was was a real crisis. I recall they used to drive an old car that used to break down every now and again, leaving them on the road. And many times they couldn't come to the fellowship on Friday morning because the car had broken down. There came a time where I got so mad at the devil for doing this to them, and I began to channel that anger in prayer. Against the enemy. And as I was praying one day. I saw. A vision. A spiritual vision. Of a man. With a paralyzed arm. His arm was paralyzed. And the spirit spoke to me. Through that vision I saw. And revealed to me. That the financial arm of the church. Was paralyzed. And they could not give. They could not support. There were enough people to be able to support the pastor but because the, that, that arm of the church was unable, was paralyzed, they couldn't. And so I called the pastor, I remember I related to him the vision, and he responded by inviting me to minister at his church. And I went on a particular Sunday morning and ministered to the congregation in the area that were struggling, and that was primarily financially. After the message, I recall I gave an altar call in prayer and made an appeal to the generosity. God be praised. That very morning, we raised most of the money needed to buy the pastor a brand new car, and God worked another miracle for that family. Now, many years ago, I heard a brother in the Lord say that the beginning of his ministry when he was still young and immature, he always prayed that God would send him a man to assist or to meet his need. He prayed that way, he said, because he saw in the scriptures that God always anoints men and women in an hour of need to meet the challenges of the day. Well, later on, he said, when he began to mature in the spirit, he would no longer ask God to send him a man. But he changed his prayer and he said, I began to ask God to let me be that man who would meet the needs of others. And that's what spiritual maturity does. I like that. Why am I sharing this with you? It is to demonstrate to you what spiritual maturity looks like, folks. It is to show you what higher dimensions of living is all about. Higher dimensions of living is allowing the very life of Christ within us to be lived through us in order to bless those around us. Did you get that? we exist for god and for others paul said it so beautifully when he said for me to live is christ and to die is gay spiritually mature people get involved and they become an answer to the prayers of those who lift up the voice and cry out to god for help and so I want to challenge you today, not because you're not living this life, but I want us to increase in the area where the fruits of our lives are increased. Look around your spiritual family and see what God sees. Hear what God hears. Love the way God loves. Let's not remain indifferent, but become part, of what God is doing and what God wants to do with us. Spiritually mature people do not stand far off, disassociating themselves from the needs and the challenges of our brethren, but they roll up their sleeves And they begin to assist in every way possible ask the Lord I do often do this and I ask the Lord be sincere about it Lord how can we help in building up your body building the house of God building up and strengthening the body that I am part of the Apostle John said this 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 and 18. And I challenge you to meditate on these verses. He said, 1 John 3:16, But this we know love. By this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods. And sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Powerful words. That's how the Lord Jesus displayed and expressed his love toward us. He didn't wait for us to be good enough before he laid down his life. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, he died for us. And so often we refrain from doing good, finding so many excuses why we should not do something about it. Oh, but they don't deserve it. And I I remember I didn't deserve the grace of God. I didn't deserve mercy. You didn't deserve that. All we deserved was punishment and eternal hell, separation from God. But God didn't give us what we deserved. He gave us grace, what we did not deserve. In 2004, in the month of February, as I sat before the Lord in prayer, I had a, a, a tremendous encounter. And in that encounter, I recall the Spirit of God gently, lovingly, rebuking me he rebuked me because he said i exercised my faith primarily for my own needs and not applying it also for the needs of the entire body and this is what he said to me son i have taught you how to believe me i have taught you how to exercise your faith in regard to my promises. You have seen the benefits and the blessings that flow from me because you believe. Using and exercising what I taught you in regards to your faith only for yourself is selfish. You must not only teach others what I taught you, but you must also exercise your faith in finding solutions for the problems and the challenges your brothers and sisters are facing, especially those with whom you associate. Well, needless to say, after that encounter and the gentle rebuke of the Lord, my perspective began to change and began to take on the collective responsibility for the body and not just for my own needs and the challenges I face. My brother, my sister, we are the body of Christ. Whether we agree or not, or like it or not, we are our brother's keeper. That's what the Bible says. You are your brother's keeper. Immature people will point their finger to the problems of others and find fault. But spiritually mature people Embrace them and with compassion walk with them on the road to restoration. And I have learned through the years that I have walked with Christ that the greatness of a person's life is not measured by the wealth he possesses, or by the position he holds, or the education he has, or the standards he achieves but by his servant heart, God measures the greatness of a person's life by how many people he serves and how well he serves them. Why is that? Because the greatness of a person's life is not measured by duration, but by donation. God doesn't care how long you live. Is what you do with the life that is given you. It's what we do for others, folks, inspired and motivated by the love of God that makes us great in the eyes of the Lord. Mother Teresa once said, one of the great diseases in the world is being nobody to anybody. Did you hear that our life will be defined by how well we serve those whom God has called us to serve beginning with our spouse our children our church and our community this is our primary purpose in life as believers to receive God's love And then give it away by serving those whom God appointed us to serve. And this has everything, I believe, to do whether we would live under an open heaven or a closed one. I laid awake for quite a while with these words ringing in my ear, in my mind. It was my spirit communicating with my mind. I had to get up. And write them down in case I forgot them. It was well after midnight on the 1st of April, 2011. And this is what I wrote in my diary I find my greatest expression in life and the greatest release in ministry by serving those whom God has given me to serve and by helping them become all that God had called them to be.
1: And I began
0: to go through them one by one, beginning with my family, and I saw this to my astonishment. God has enlarged my territory through servanthood. By serving these precious people and ministries with the grace the Lord has given me, the boundaries of my influence in Christ had increased tremendously as I close my message today I want to remind you of the words the Prophet Haggai said to the people of God who for one reason or another had neglected the house of the Lord
1: and I'm reading
0: from the book of haggai it's a very small book but carries tremendous message haggai chapter one and i'm only going to read seven verses or rather from verse seven through to eleven from the new king james version and this is what the lord says thus days the lord of hosts consider your ways Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land, and the mountains, on the grain, and the new wine, and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Hard words the prophet began to prophesy. And the Lord, through the mouth of his prophet, rebuked his people for neglecting his house while, he said, they ran around taking care of their own houses and living in luxury. You see, the lack of concern and compassion for the house of God brought these people under severe judgment. The word of God says they experienced drought. They had crop failures. They had financial and physical lack as well as emotional unfulfilled and i believe this very word is relevant for the worldwide church of the lord jesus christ today very often that concern for our own welfare leaves no room for the welfare of others The concern for our own welfare at the expense of neglecting the house of God, which is no longer, remember, a physical building. The house of God is his people. The house of God is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And neglecting that has caused us many a problem. I pray that none of us in this fellowship will ever encounter such problems because I believe we care and are compassionate enough and are committed to each other. And let me say this as a testimony. In our fellowship, I have seen and experienced such generosity from our people, so much so that we want for nothing. God has blessed us so much that we are able to bless others when the need arises. Remember the words of the Apostle Paul that he wrote to the church in Philippi. He said, look not every man to his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And this is what the abundant life, the life of Christ within us is all about. We exist for no other purpose but to serve our God and to serve his church. No matter where you are called to function, whether you're called to function in the marketplace as a businessman, as an employee or an employer, whether you are called to serve within the church of the Lord Jesus Christ into the fivefold ministry, Whatever your vocation in life, whether you're a nurse or a doctor or an accountant or a businessman, we exist for this one purpose, to glorify our Heavenly Father, to serve God, to extend the interests of the kingdom of God by serving his church with love, with compassion. And that's why we're here. And Jesus said it in Matthew 6, He said, seek first, not last, not second. First, the kingdom of God. In other words, the interests of God's kingdom. In every decision we make, we should stop and ask ourselves, how will this enhance the kingdom of God? Will this what I'm about to do? Will it bring glory to God? Will it? Will it enhance the kingdom or will it bring shame? Or will it cause hurt? That's why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And then he said, all these other things will be added to you. Not be taken away, but added to you. And that should be our priority, folks. So... This is, I believe, the word that the Lord gave me to bring to you today. I pray that we will meditate on it, that we will not just be hearers, but doers of the word. Engage with what God is doing. And one area where we need all of us to engage in is in the area of prayer. When we hear of someone who is sick, when a prayer request is sent out, don't say you will pray and not pray. Pray fervently, seek God, and don't just talk to God about it. Wait until he gives you an answer. We serve a God who speaks. And I have learned this, that when I fervently seek God about someone, he would always talk to me about that person. But God will never talk to me about someone I do not pray for. And I challenge you that when you really get involved in prayer, praying for someone, praying for your fellowship, praying for your pastor, praying for the needs of the fellowship, God supernaturally will reveal things to you that no one else knows. And you will know what to do, when to do it. You will know when to send an encouragement and not. And that's where we begin. We begin with prayer. Amen. Very often God would appear to me in a dream and give me a dream or a word of wisdom about someone or about a situation I'm praying for. As I mentioned to you, and there are many other testimonies that I don't want to share tonight, where God anointed me and showed me things how to help someone. He would appear to you and he would show you what to do, how to do it. When to do it and when not to hold back and wait. Amen. So, as we close, let us pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, for your mercy and your loving kindness. Thank you that your love is unconditional. You find no fault in those who ask from you wisdom, grace, mercy. You always give and give generously. And, Father, I want to thank you for every member of our spiritual family. Thank you for the heart. Thank you for the generosity. Thank you for their compassion. Thank you that they are involved with what you're doing in this family. And I pray that that involvement would be enlarged, that we would see your glory, dear Lord, that we would see you at work that we would experience miracle after miracle, sign and wonder after sign and wonder. We pray for those who are frail in body, and we ask, Father, that you would rain upon them your healing grace, your healing power. that you would restore them from the top of the head to the soles of the feet. Those who are discouraged, we pray that you fill them with courage and hope those who are struggling in relationships. We pray, Father, that you would give them wisdom, how to deal, how to work out, how to reconcile with the people that are at odds with. We ask all of these things in the wonderful name of Jesus, and we thank you for it. Amen. And amen. Thank you for listening to this message.